Welcome to the Hereby Call podcast, where we focus on preparing the called and reminding the returned by sharing life-changing experiences from serving the Lord. Sit back and relax because you're listening to the best podcast of this dispensation. I learned myself that it's okay to take a step back and not be that cookie-cutter missionary and trying to at all your numbers and look the same and talk the same and act the same that we're all unique in different ways and we all have different ways that we can share the gospel more effectively and I just I was a little bit stubborn and was willing to go against the crowd and do what I truly felt was best and most effective for me Welcome back to the Hereby Called podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and today we are sitting sitting with Damian Curtis, who is a referral of Max Casey's. Uh, Max, we interviewed on episode 16, and uh, Damian, we're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Damian, what inspired you to go on a mission? Um, I think my story is a little unique there, too, just the fact that growing up, I never had a desire to serve. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I, I remember... Like as far back as primary, we'd have lessons on going on a mission. And I remember one time sitting in class and one of my classmates was, and I can't wait to go on a mission. And even back then I was like, that doesn't sound like fun. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like, why would I do that? You know? And so, um, I, I think when I was younger, I just planned on going cause that was what was expected. But then as I got older, I realized I don't have to do this if I don't want to. And so, um, when I was 19 years old, I had my own apartment, my own business, small business. I was cleaning carpets back then. And um, so I thought, well, I don't want to leave all this, you know, I'll just keep doing this for a while, see what happens. And then I think I ended up going on my mission at 21. Um, and I think over those next couple of years, God knew that I needed to go and he would just kind of put people in my path every so often that would just bring up a mission or share experience about their mission or just one thing after another, just kind of kept it in the back of my mind. And I finally got to the point where I really felt like if I didn't go, I was going to kind of just struggle through life. But if I went, it would totally change my life. And at that point, I just realized, you know what? It's only two years. I got a whole life ahead of me. Maybe I should do this. And so um, that's kind of how it all started. And then I ended up deciding to go and went out at 21. Wow. That's awesome. And you're just so you know, you're like, in the group of my favorite missionaries or companions of the people that were a little older, a little wiser oh, yeah. and had some, some life experience. So you, you decide you're going to go, you put in your papers and you get this paper that's going to change your life. And it's your mission call. What was that moment like opening up your mission call? And where, where were you called to serve? Well, I was called to serve uh, the South Dakota rapid city mission. And when I opened it up, it was, I don't know that I was, I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't excited. It was just kind of like, okay, I guess that's where I'm serving. I didn't know anything about South Dakota before that. And so um, I think my dream was to go to Alaska because I've always wanted to go to Alaska. I thought that'd be a super cool mission. <laughs> and so I opened it up and I was like, well, it's not Alaska, but South Dakota, I'm just as cold. So <laughs> don't know anything about it, but um, yeah, I wasn't, I, it just, something about it just, Felt right. Just felt like it was where I was supposed to go for whatever reason. And so that was kind of my experience of opening it up. Awesome. So after you open your mission call, you go to the MTC, which stands for Missionary Training Center. 
and you learn how to be a missionary, how to teach lessons. And then after, were you Spanish speaking or, or English? I was English. Okay. So you're there for probably two weeks or so. It's actually, so because I delayed going out, I went out with that new influx of 18 year old missionaries. Oh, okay. And so I was one of the first the, the new the, wave. Yeah, the new wave coming in. And so they actually shortened the MTC down. I think I was there like 11 days because they just couldn't fit everybody. So they, it was, it, thankfully it was only 11 days because I, I hate sitting in classrooms. But yeah, it was a little and, bit shorter for me. And that's funny that you went out at 21 and now you're going out with 18 year olds. <laughs> yeah. There's some age difference yeah. there. But so you, you get out and you're in South Dakota. What was missionary work like in South Dakota? Well, I think. Until you actually serve a mission, it's hard to really know what to expect. Yeah. You know, I think um, mission just way different than anything I ever could have imagined it would be in good and bad ways. You know, it just, it was, you just have this idea as a kid of what it's like. You go out and you knock doors and teach people, but there's a lot more behind the scenes of what goes on and every mission's a little unique. And so, um, you know, I, I think uh, it was a lot different than what I expected, but there were some similarities too. Um, in South Dakota, there's a lot of small towns, a lot of small farming and ranching communities. Um, I think the largest town, largest city in that mission was Sioux Falls, which was about 150,000 people. Um, <laughs> and then from there it went all, all the way down to sometimes you drive through a town that said population 58. I mean, it just, you know, it's everything in between. And so, um, it was, I enjoyed those small towns. I'm kind of a little more on the countryside myself and I just love those small towns and you know, nobody locks their doors. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And so, um, I think unique to South Dakota, uh, it was the missionary work there was a little different just because you're, you're knocking doors or you're talking to people in communities that they're all good Christian people. They've raised in a church in their little town and they're all friendly, but they're kind of set in their ways. They already have their own church. And so they're friendly with you for the most part in these small towns, but you know, conversations don't really go anywhere. They'll let you in. They'll let you come chat. But as far as wanted to explore the gospel, that was a little bit different because a lot of them were just kind of, they're raised in their own church and kind of had their own thing going and they didn't see any reason to change. You know what? why would I go to another church? I'm going to this church. Isn't it all the same? You know, that was kind of, I, I heard that a lot. And so, um, but I think as far as our mission goes, um, my mission president was really focused on numbers and he was a business guy. So I think he was just used to looking at numbers a lot. And so he would measure successive areas based on numbers and, you know, number of lessons and baptisms and members on date and whatever. I don't even remember all the numbers we kept track of, but it was a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, so we'd report those numbers back every week, and that would be how he would kind of judge how different areas were going. Um, and I was a little bit different. I didn't really care about the numbers much. I was more just out there to serve the people, and whether I counted it as a number or not, I didn't really care. You know, there were some areas or some numbers like lessons, for example. I think you had to have four parts to it. You had to have an opening prayer, closing prayer, share a gospel, uh, principle, gospel principle, and leave a commitment in order to count it as a number. Well, sometimes you meet someone on the street and you just, you naturally share a gospel principle and maybe leave a commitment, but you're in the middle of the street. You don't, you're you didn't gonna, open with a prayer. With <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, it. so I, I feel like sometimes in that mission, because numbers were stressed so heavily that missionaries would kind of force stuff 
force the numbers a little bit and just awkwardly inject a prayer somewhere or just try to do everything they could to boost the numbers in that way. And they weren't real natural about it. And I was just kind of more like, you know what? I don't care what my numbers look like. As long as I know that I'm. It's got to be authentic. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting something done and I'm being efficient. And so um, that was kind of missionary work in my mission. It was just, it was really heavily uh, number oriented and I was a little bit different in that aspect. So, so, and I love that you brought up that no one knows you can't, and I hope this podcast helps people out that are going on missions so they can kind of give an idea, but you don't know what a mission's like until you go. And one, yeah, of those, exactly. one of those things is the numbers and that you do spend time every single day, you're recording your numbers, you're setting goals for the next day of what your numbers are going to be. And it's really easy for missionaries and mission presidents to get in a rut of, it's all about the numbers. Yeah. I, I think I'd also say here that I'm not saying <clears throat> numbers are not good. Um, you know, as I've gotten older and, and been in business and things like that, I've, I see the value in setting goals and measuring numbers. But um, I think in my mission, it was just focused a little too heavily. And so numbers are good to keep track of and see where you're going, but you shouldn't let that be your main focus. So right. I don't want it to sound like I'm like anti numbers or anti goals, but no, but you, you, it sounds like you place rightfully so a heavier emphasis on like souls and sincerity and preaching the gospel. Exactly. So you're out on your mission and I've been talking to Damien just a little bit and he had served just about, it was around a year over to the year mark when you entered an area called winter, South Dakota. Tell us about winter and your experience there. Yeah. So winter was uh, a little after my year mark. Um, it was a town of about 3000 people, just small little farming and ranching community. Um, it was my favorite area by far, I think, because I, I really feel like I became the most effective missionary I could there. Um, I'd done a lot of service throughout my mission. I was, I've always been service oriented, loved helping people. And I had a more unique skill set than a lot of missionaries. I, I'm a contractor now, but I had done a lot of remodeling project before my mission. And I just, I, I had a, a variety of skills I could use. And so um, I'd done a lot of service projects, but in winter, I really felt like I, I learned how I can be truly the most effective through service. And so that's the area that I, we started rather than knocking doors uh, to tract, we actually started knocking doors just to find service opportunities because I looked at the town of 3000 people and knew that every door had probably been knocked on multiple times by missionaries over the years. And like I said before, it's a small community where everybody has their own church. They're all friendly, but you knock on the door and they might let you in to chat, but they're not interested in hearing about the gospel. They've already got their own church. And so I just didn't feel like it was going to be real effective. And I saw some missionaries that would just go knock doors if they had nothing else to do just to feel like they were doing something. But I didn't like feeling like I was, like I was wasting my time. And so we ended up just knocking doors, asking for service opportunities. And we, throughout my time there, we started helping out with bingo at the old folks home. We helped out with community events on main street. People would just call us and say, Hey, we heard you do service. We're having an event on main street. Can you come help run this booth or can you help do this or that or help set up? Or, you know, just one thing after another, we painted a house, we roofed a house, remodeled a bathroom, you know, just all kinds of different things. And it was projects for people that were truly in need. They couldn't afford to get it done that needed it done. It wasn't like I was just going out and doing some, a remodeling project. Cause I was tired of missionary work. You know, it the, was the Batman of the town. Just. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, um, while I was there, I, that's when I 
I really figured out the connection between service and missionary work for me at least was I'm not very good at just stopping somebody on the street corner and trying to share the gospel with them, but I can stop them and talk to them about service opportunities. And if we start serving, doing some service for them, uh, naturally those conversations come up. They're like, well, who are you guys? What are you guys doing? Why are you just doing service for us? And so throughout that, we had a lot of great conversations with people and met a lot of people and planted a lot of seeds. And so I may have not had very many baptisms in that area, but I just wonder down the road how years later, how many, how many uh, missionaries were able to take those seeds I planted and harvest them, you know, just from the work we did. I was there seven and a half months and towards the end, the whole town knew who we were. They loved the missionaries. And I remember hearing a year later, they had sisters there and the sisters were still hearing about the elders that did all the service there. And so, you know, that had an impact on the community. Oh, that's awesome. Even though the numbers weren't great, it, it had an impact on the community. So, yeah, let's talk about that. So you're serving. And meanwhile, there's people from a distance that are just looking at your numbers strictly and they don't see what, what you know, what's going on. And you got a phone call from your mission president. Tell I, us about that. I did. So there was kind of a rumor going around the mission about me that I would do service just to slack off because I didn't want to do real missionary work. And so that was kind of the rumor going around and everybody knew my numbers were low because I didn't care about paying attention to them. I wasn't focused on trying to get those numbers. I was just out trying to serve the people. And um, so when I got transferred out of winter, I got a phone call for transfers and my mission president said, uh, I know you've done a lot of great work there in winter, but now that I'm transfer transferring you out, I want you to focus on real missionary work. Oh. And I was pissed. Like I bit my <laughs> tongue because I just about started cussing on the phone. It was, I just, I felt like he viewed my last seven and a half months as a waste of time there. Mm -hmm. And so I just bit my tongue, didn't say anything. But then that night I was, I was pretty pissed off all day long. And I called him back that night and I said, Hey, we got to discuss this. Cause what you said this morning made, it makes me feel like you don't see any value in what I did here. And he said, no, I know you did a lot of great service, but you know, we're here, we're called to teach the gospel. And I said, I understand that, but I was doing service to try and plant seeds and find opportunities to share the gospel. And he said, well, yeah, but we're, we're mainly called to preach and teach the gospel and baptize. And I, I said, well, how am I supposed to find people then? You know, in these little towns, tracting is not effective, at least not for me. I felt like this, maybe I don't get a baptism out of this, but I'm planting seeds for future missionaries possibly. And he said, yeah, but your, your job as a missionary is to, is to teach and baptize. And so I, towards the end of the conversation, I, in our mission, we were supposed to focus on about 10 hours of service a week. And obviously I was doing a lot more than that in a small town. That's, we were just doing service all the time. And so he said, when you get to your new area, I want you to focus on just keeping it around those 10 hours. And I said, okay, let's say I've done my 10 hours of service and we don't have anything to do. Do you want me to go knock doors, which isn't effective? Or do you want me to go do service, which even if it doesn't do anything else, at least I'm, I'm, I'm doing something for the community, if nothing else, but it's still planting seeds. And he just kind of paused for a second and said, well, if you get to that situation, just call me and we'll discuss it. And that's when I realized that we just didn't see eye to eye on the correlation between service and missionary work. He knew service was great and he knew missionary work was great, but he didn't see the correlation between the two that I had discovered and I, that's what I learned when I was in winters, how effective that can be 
And I learned myself that it's okay to take a step back and not be that cookie cutter missionary and trying to hit all your numbers and look the same and talk the same and act the same, that we're all unique in different ways. And we all have different ways that we can share the gospel more effectively. And I just, I was a little bit stubborn and was willing to go against the crowd and do what I truly felt was best and most effective for me. And so that's kind of, that was my experience there in winter. What? And that's awesome. And I love that. It sounds like early on for you, you discovered that missionary work, or at least that you received the personal revelation that for you to be an effective missionary, it had involved service, that that was a personal revelation for you. And that's how it should be for every missionary. Yeah, exactly. Every one of us is different, has different talents. What advice would you give to a missionary who's serving somewhere where they're kind of in that same boat where they're trying to approach missionary work the way that they know that they can be the most effective and other missionaries and maybe even their mission president doesn't approve of it? Um, or might kind of be pressuring them to change their approach. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm because I can be stubborn and I'm, I don't care what people think of me, I'm not afraid to go against the flow. Not everybody has that ability. You know, a lot of people, they kind of get pressured into going with the flow of things because they, they're not, they can't, they're, they're too scared to yeah. stand up. And I've, I've never had a problem of going against it and not caring. And I just don't care what people think of me. And I've always kind of been that way. And so it's good and bad. I, I see the benefits and the, <laughs> my weakness. Sword, yeah, yeah. So like I try to keep it in check, but for me, it was easy because I, if I truly feel something is right, I will go against everything that you're saying. I, you won't be able to convince me one way or another. I can be that stubborn. And so for me, it was easy, but it, it is a challenge. I mean, my whole mission, everybody knew about me. I mean, I, there was talk all of my nickname was service Curtis in the mission. <laughs> like you could talk to just about any missionary and they'd heard something about me. And so and I didn't care whether my name was spread around or not, but usually it was spread around because people thought I was just slacking off and doing service. And, and But I just didn't care what they thought of me. So it was easy for me to stand up. But advice on how to deal with that, I think you need to really pray about it and feel in your heart that what you're trying to do is right and that's what you need to do. And I think, you know, pray for the strength to be able to go against the crowd and all the people judging you, the missionaries judging you, the mission president judging you, thinking you're not a good missionary because you're not fitting that missionary mold. I think as long as you pray about it and you, you feel in your heart that it's right and you've received that personal revelation, pray for the strength to, to, to be able to push through all the yeah. negative talk. And it's funny that I guess we can apply it to, to members of the church too. Like, what, like I'm asking myself, what is the missionary mold? And like, why is there one? And is there a mission, is there a member mold, you know, and why is there one? Like, yeah. do we all have to have the same thoughts, the same, we all believe the same doctrine, but there's different approaches to, to life and yeah, you know, exactly. interests and there's different talents that we all have. So, and I think you're right about there being a member mold too. That's something I struggle with, with members of the church. My testimony's strong. That'll never change. I know the gospel's true. I don't always like the people in the church at times, you know, there's just, and I wouldn't ever leave the church because of the people. At least I can make that. that you can make that distinction, but not distinction. everyone can. Yeah, some yeah. people, they struggle with it and they leave the church over the people. Um, I know the gospel's true and I can separate the gospel from the people, but there is kind of a, a mold that we're all supposed to fit into. And 
you know, with missionary work, it's no different. We're, for some reason, we're just supposed to be that cookie-cutter missionary. That's what everybody expects. And when you start to deviate off that path and go a different way, people just start judging you hardcore. And I don't understand why we're so judgmental in this church. Especially for someone, you're, you're doing the Lord's work, and, you're, and they're like, hey, you're not doing it right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but, I, like, if you don't—you're looking at me thinking I'm sinning because I'm going against what I'm supposed to be doing— but you're judging me for it. So how does that make you any better of a person? That's what I struggle with all the time is why are you judging me for something that you think I'm doing wrong when you're literally doing something wrong, something wrong by judging me, Yeah, you know? And so I, it is a struggle to, to break out of that mold. But I think that's part of why I wanted to share my story here is that it's okay to step out of that mold and to become more effective. If you truly feel that that is what you're supposed to do, it's okay to step out of that mold and pray for the strength to do it. I'm not saying go against your mission president, go against all the rules, go against stuff. I'm not saying just go wild with it, but if there's something that- If there's personal revelation that says you need to do it this way, yeah, then you probably need to do it that way. It's spirit of the law versus letter of the law, and that's what I've, I've always been more spirit of the law. And the missionaries that I served with that were letter of the law, like by the book on every rule, drove me nuts, you know, because it you almost- when you're so focused on letter of the law, sometimes you can miss that personal revelation that you're supposed to. It's okay. If, if the spirit says, go break this rule, it's okay to, you break you, it. You go break that rule. Like yeah. Nephi killing Laban, you know, murder was bad, but the spirit told him to do it. You know? And I, I think when you're so focused on letter of the law, sometimes you can miss that revelation. And so you need to just be, tr- get yourself in a position where, you can receive personal revelation. And if you really feel like going, going against that missionary mold is right, then do it. You know, and that's, that's what I want people to hear is that it's okay. You don't have to fit that perfect mold because everybody's unique and we all can share the gospel in different ways. And God wants to use our strengths in different ways so that we can be the most effective. Yeah. And he gave us those strengths for a reason. Exactly. It's, it's funny talking to you because it, it reminds me of, President Nelson, he's, he's done a ton and he's talked a ton about personal revelation and seeking it in your life. And as missionaries, it's the same way. As members, it's the same way. And he's also done a lot to break down cultural, I guess, like Mormon culture. I kind of say Mormon as a derogatory term now. Yeah. as like, the, like nothing that's based off doctrine. It's just the way that things have been done. It's like, oh, this is how, this is how it works and this is the right way. It's like, no, that's the mold that we've created. It doesn't mean yeah, it's exactly. right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so how did, like going back to your mission, you had this conversation with your mission president. You realized that he's got a view on how you should be doing missionary work. You've felt inspired to do it a different way. How did the rest of your mission go following winter? So my next area was my last area. I wasn't there very long, but when I got there, uh, I decided it was in the middle of winter. It was in the oil field. So you're either... It's freezing. Work, yeah, freezing cold, yeah. negative 20, negative 30. I saw negative 55 one time. That oh was that was brutal. 30 mile an hour wind. It was rough. Um, but, you know, routinely you're negative 15, negative 20, sometimes negative 30. And so nobody wants to be outside. And so in the oil field, you're either out working on the oil rigs or you're inside. There's You're just not, there aren't people out. And so um, it was, the work was kind of slow when I got there, obviously, because it's winter time. And so I started telling my companion about, all the service we did in winter and how effective I felt like it was planting seeds. 
and uh, told him I I thought that we should probably try and focus on that. We start knocking doors, just tracting for service like I did in winter. And I told him that my mission president, you know, we had a con- told him about the conversation and how we didn't really see eye to eye. But luckily, he was he was pretty cool about it in the fact that he's like, you know, I can see a benefit here. And so we prayed as a companionship just to know if that's what we should do in this area. And we both felt good about just continuing what I did in winter, trying to do it up there in this new area. And so I don't know how it all turned out in the end because I wasn't there very long, but um, I tried to kind of get that going and help my new companion to see the benefit of, of service. At least it gives you something to do and you're planting seeds along the way, you know, when it's a, middle of winter and nobody's out yeah. doing anything so. especially in a small town like like you said everyone everyone's been talked to about the church everyone's door has been knocked a million times but exactly. have they been served by missionaries yeah yeah so looking back on your mission that was the end what what do you miss most about missionary work or, or mission life i think just the simplicity of not having to worry about bills and worry about making a living and just all the stress of life. You know, at the time a mission seemed stressful, but looking back, I think, man, it would just be nice to be able to go out and serve people and share the gospel and not have to worry about all the stress of life. Um, and it was, you know, like, I'm not going to lie. There were a lot of times where I was fed up and wanted to just call it quits and go home. You know, that was part of. That's the, part of missionary work. Part it's of tough. The, well, and that was, a, I'd always heard people say that growing up. Oh yeah. There's gonna be times where you're going to want to go home on your mission. and and I also heard missions are hard. It's hard work, but I grew up working hard. I wasn't as afraid of hard work. And so I went into it thinking, oh, this, you know, I can work hard. I can go put in 12, 14 hour days. That's no big deal. I do that all the time anyways. But what I didn't anticipate was the mental stress and the, and that, that was honestly what made me want to go home at times is just beating the numbers in our heads and wanting us to focus on this or that when I just didn't feel like that was effective for me. And so there were times where I wanted to go home, but it, in the end, looking back, it was, it was just a simpler time. Yeah. You know, it gave you the opportunity to just share the gospel. And I love service. I love helping people. And I try to do that now, but you know, life gets busy. You know, I've got a, a business and I'm, I'm running around and it just, I try to find service opportunities, but it, I just don't get out and serve as much as I'd like to now. And I just love that aspect of missionary work, being able to just go serve without any other worries. Yeah, absolutely. When your worry is someone else and their happiness all day, it, it's pretty fulfilling life. It is. How did how did your relationship with the Savior change? Um, versus it, like you know before the admission to the end. Yeah, I would say uh, obviously definitely gained a stronger testimony and learned how I receive personal revelation. Um, you know. It, before my mission, I I think I've always been blessed with the gift of just having a strong testimony without really having to seek it out. You know, a lot of people, they have that big experience where they didn't know it was true and they read the Book of Mormon and had a big spiritual experience. Well, I just grew up always knowing it was true. I never doubted it. It always made sense to me. So I always had a testimony deep down, but I think the mission helped strengthen that. And through all the experiences that I saw, just seeing other spiritual experiences and hearing stories from others, it helped strengthen my testimony. And I think the biggest thing is I just learned how the Lord speaks to me and how I receive personal revelation. That's such an awesome 
awesome takeaway that you can have the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. It helps you throughout your whole life. So Damien, you're, you're wrapping up your mission, which means that you have to have an exit interview. I don't know if you have to, but you have an exit interview with your mission president. Typically, um, you guys had butted heads. How did, how did that interview go? And what are your thoughts towards your mission president nowadays? You know, um, I don't, I'm not bitter towards him at all. We definitely didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but he's still a great guy. He's still inspired. Uh, we just, we didn't see eye to eye in the moment, but looking back, you know, there's, I think, uh, he did the best he could with what he knew. And like I said, everybody has strengths, strengths and weaknesses and God uses those. And because he was a businessman and he, yeah, he dealt knew, with he numbers, knew numbers and how that was, and, that know. was his strength to be able to measure success. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but that was his way of doing it. And maybe that's why God was using that. And so, you know, we can all look at somebody else and just pick apart how they're doing something and think we can do it better. But at the end of the day, he was inspired. I know he was inspired. He prayed about stuff. You know, he was, a, he, he was doing the best he could with what he knew. And so at the end of the day, I don't hold any grudges against him. Yeah. It, it's, he's a great guy. Awesome. Well, Damien, thanks again for, for coming on the podcast. And for those who are new to the podcast, um, if this has helped you in any way or been a blessing, feel free to like, and subscribe on Apple podcast and on Spotify. And until then we'll post this on Sunday and, uh, you can check us out on hereby